morning, I wanted to share um, about, well, where do I start? <laughs> um, I was recently, I'll just say how it was, we've been through a season where you just like, you're putting one foot in front of the other and you're like, God... <laughs> and you just keep putting one foot in front of the other, and you're like, God, I need you to give me strength, and, and God, I need you to help me in this, and God, you're going to have to do this for me. And you and I found myself r- repeating verses and statements from the Bible to myself again and again and again. Um, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. What I have, I give to you. It's his peace. Not by might or by power, but by his spirit. Um, When I am weak, he is strong. Um, I don't need a little or a lot. I've learned to be content. Perfect love casts out all fear. Um, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly, above all that I can ask, think, or imagine. He's the one that deserves all the glory and the honor and the power. And I know I've paraphrased all of those verses, but that's okay. I need to paraphrase them so that it comes alive in me. Um, All of those verses I found myself repeating as we've walked through this season. And it's probably been a season of maybe two years or so. COVID hasn't always been the easiest thing to work with. Um, But there's just you just work with what you have in the season that you're in. And you just do what you can. And you just keep putting one foot in front of another. And as I quoted those verses and I'd think about them, think about the reality of them. You know, it's all very well allowing them, like knowing them. And allowing them to come out of your mouth, but allowing them to take hold here and be real in your life, that's another thing again. And recently I was reading um, Mark chapter 8. I've got old school stuff this morning. It's pretty high tech. There's none of this scrolling with your finger. Yeah? Boom. (laughs) Yeah, sorry, my laptop doesn't hold battery power anymore, so (laughs) paper it is. Um... Anyway, Mark 8, verses 1 to 9. Um, Thanks, team, for popping that on the screen. Um, I'll just read this. So this is where Jesus is feeding the 4,000. Do you know what? Not wearing my right glasses. This is bad. I find myself saying that should have gone to Specsavers ad all the time. (laughs) It's all good. Um, About this time, another large crowd had gathered, and the people ran out of food again. Jesus called his disciples and told them, I feel sorry for these people. They have been here with me for three days and have nothing left to eat. If I send them home hungry, they will faint along the way, for for some of them have come a long distance. Jesus replied, How are we, sorry, his disciples (laughs) replied, how are we supposed to find enough food to feed them out here in the wilderness? Jesus asked, how much bread do you have? Seven loaves, they replied. So Jesus told all the people to sit down on the ground. Then he took the seven loaves, thanked God for them and broke them into pieces. He gave them to his disciples who distributed the bread to the crowd. A few small fish were found too. So Jesus blessed these and told the disciples to distribute them. 
They ate as much as they wanted. Afterward, the disciples picked up seven large baskets baskets of leftover food. There were about 4,000 men in the crowd that day, and Jesus sent them home after they had eaten. Okay. As I sat and read that scripture again recently, the realities of what is in it just struck me. It was just like, you know, when you just have a, a renewed revelation. It was one of those moments. And I was just like, oh, my gosh, renewed revelation. Jesus said, they have nothing left. I was like, yeah. <laughs> Jesus knew um, they'd be weak or faint if they traveled because some of them had come a really long way. Jesus asked his disciples, what do you have And they said, we've got seven loaves and, oh, look, there's a few small fish. When they say small fish, I picture like little sardines. I'm sure they're a little bit bigger than that, but hey. (laughs) Seven loaves, they were like flatbreads, and they also weren't that big. Um, Jesus took what there was, and he thanked God for it. Then he gave it to his disciples to give out. And then what there was, as it was given out by the disciples, it multiplied miraculously. So Jesus took the seven loaves, he thanked God, he broke it, he gave the disciples part of those seven loaves. So there's 12 disciples, seven loaves, pretty much broken in half. Here, go give these out. So half a flatbread. I don't know if you guys have like ever eaten like a naan or something, but that's not a lot. So the disciples are standing here with half a flatbread and they're like, cool, I'm just going to go feed that's 600 people with my half flatbread. Cool. You guys go feed those other lots of 600 people. And actually the 4,000, you probably know, it's only the men that they were counting. <laughs> it's like cultural. It's okay. I, I can understand this. Um, they didn't count the women and the children. And so that was just 4,000 men that they were counting in this situation. And so God was like, uh, Jesus, sorry, was like, here you go, here's half a flatbread, now go feed the crowd. And they had already walked through this with the feeding of the 5,000. So this is the second time this miracle took place. And I don't know, um, I had in amongst my reading, I read that the... um, the first feeding, they believe, was to the Jewish people. And the second feeding to the 4,000, they believe, is to the Gentiles. And there's other things that um, indicate that, but I won't go into that. Um, but what Jesus took and he broke and he gave it to them and he said, now go give it out. I divided it and it is approximately one flatbread for 4,000. It breaks into 571, I believe-ish. Um, so half a flatbread feeds 571 people. It's pretty significant. I don't know when you last fed 571 people with half a flatbread, but yeah. <laughs> I haven't done it recently. <laughs> Normally when the youth come over and we're feeding them, it's like, right, what else can you find? <laughs> it's not like here's half a flatbread, I'm going to feed 571 people with it. Oh, dear. It's all good. But anyway, those, I was just recapping some key moments in amongst there. 
the ones that were fed in this situation, they'd been there three days already. They'd traveled a long distance to get to Jesus in the first place. And I thought about the significance of the fact that they were hungry. They were hungry. That's why they went to Jesus in the first place. They weren't physically hungry to begin with. They were spiritually hungry. That's why they went to Jesus. They were like, oh man, we need what he's got. We, we, need, some, we need some of that. <laughs> and when they traveled to him, and they would have taken food. They would have been prepared initially, but then stuff was happening. I don't know if you've ever been in the room when the Holy Spirit's moving, and you're like, I don't care about dinner that's burning. I just want to focus on Jesus in this moment. I want Holy Spirit to move, and this is exciting. It's like when you're in the moment with God moving, you don't want to leave that. And so they were like, meh, food, meh, Jesus. And so they just hung around. And then Jesus recognized that it was time for them to go. But actually, they had a really long way to travel. And if in amongst their traveling, excuse me, <laughs> it's what happens when you have two dogs is random dog furs turn up at inappropriate moments. <laughs> Sorry. Um, <laughs> um, anyway, where was I? They had a long way to go. Thank you very much. Um, And Jesus recognized that if they were going to walk a long way home right now, that they were weak and they would faint. And he's like, this isn't okay. It's, It's not good. And so then I started thinking through each compartment of this story. And it's like he began with compassion to the people. That's how the story begins, is his compassion to the people was there. He had a heart for the people in the moment. He recognized um, their practical needs. He'd been meeting their spiritual needs. And then he's like, I see you've got some practical needs. Let me help with those. And he's interested in the whole of us. He's not just interested in, oh, yep, cool, great. You've chosen to live for me. Great. Get on with it, will you? He's not like that. He's like, hey, I'm interested in the whole of you. I'm interested in the everyday. I'm interested in all the moments. And I want you to walk with me in this. And then he says, what do you have? And the what do you have just struck me again. I was like, yeah, what do I have? What do we have in the physical? What do we have? What do we have that he's saying, give it to me and let me work with that. Allow him to move through us for his miraculous provision to begin taking place and outworking. Something... um, that I had been thinking about as I was mulling on this chapter was the fact that the people came to Jesus. They hung out with him. They were spiritually fed. And before they left, he ensured that they were full and strengthened. So he had strengthened them and filled them up spiritually. But then he said, I want to strengthen and fill you up physically too before you go because I know that your body needs sustenance. I know what you need and 
I'm going to do this for you before you go. So we can be standing here and we're like, I've got a flatbread. I don't have much. But if we choose in our daily lives to say, okay, I'm going to walk with him through everything. I'm going to say, right, for for instance. <laughs> so I think it's always good when you add, like, practical, honest application. Um, our house has been in a state of renovation for a long time. COVID has not helped that because there's all these supplies that just aren't available. And so it's like, okay, I'm just going to keep living like this. And there's moments when I'm literally going, I don't want to live in an unfinished house anymore. <laughs> and I just have a little tanty. And I know it's just a little tanty. But then I'm like, actually, why am I? I've got a house, for goodness sake. I have a home to live in. Get over it, Philippa. It's pretty much what I have to do. But it's it's actually important that I pull my feelings into line because my feelings should not be what dictates what takes place around me. If I'm choosing to be thankful for something, it changes my perspective and dramatically shifts things. Sometimes the miraculous provision is actually taking place in the moment of the gratitude, when we're choosing to be content with whatever we have, however that looks. And everybody's circumstances are different. Everybody's lives are different. We can't compare one to another. We can't say meh, 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 or ooh, um, because that's not the way it works. God says, look at this. Look, look here. Don't look anywhere else. Look here. Be thankful for what you have. So I'm like, yes, amen. So, okay, I don't have much. And this is just not in the house. This is applying when you're walking through a season when you're like, I'm, I'm weary and heavy laden. This is, I'm, I'm weak, but I'm not walking in my own strength. I'm walking not by might, not by power, but in his spirit. This is the moment of saying, okay, I'm going to start really holding on to these verses in the reality of what Mark 8 shows us. It's taking what we have, giving it to Jesus, saying, Jesus, at the moment, if you're feeling weak, this is all I've got. Or Jesus, this is all I have physically, or Jesus, this might be all I currently have spiritually. But whatever it is, whatever it is that we have, if we say, I'm thankful, I'm thankful for what I have, I give it to you, and he blesses it, and then he says, go use it. If I've given you everything you need, then this is all you need. And you can go use it and just trust that I will multiply it. Trust that I'm going to take what's in your hands and allow me to work through that. He asks us to activate the miracle. Jesus did not take the bread and then go and give it out to all the people. He took the bread. He thanked God for it. He broke it. He gave it to the disciples. And he said, well, he didn't actually say, go activate the miracle. But that's essentially what he was saying. Go activate the miracle. 
I've given you everything you need. Now go activate the miracle. Go and give to the people. Go and give your half flat bread to six, seven hundred people over there. When you think about that, when you look at a I know this isn't a flat bread. But when you look at a loaf of bread and then you go, okay, I'm going to break that in half. And then I'm going to go feed it to 700 people. That's the kind of miracle we're talking about. We're not talking about small, minimal miracles. God is into the mind-blowing, the exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask, think, or imagine. God is into the bigger than we can expect God is into the amazing. He's into the awesome. And he says, what do you have? What do you have? Take what you have. Take what I have given you. Be thankful for it. Now go and use it. Go and apply it. Go and grasp hold of it. Whatever it takes, go with it. Go with it. I was talking with somebody this week about the fact that... um, When we walk with a mindset of lack, that's actually fear at work. So if I walk with my half loaf of bread and I'm like, I don't have enough, I don't have enough, then we're not going to have enough because we've got a mindset of lack and we're working out of fear. Whereas when we take our half loaf of bread and we say, Jesus has blessed this, Jesus has blessed this, and we can walk, yeah, (laughs) we can walk with that, we can move with that, we can take our half loaf of bread and we can give it out to the 700 people that he needs us to give it to. That is the reality of when I am weak, he has made me strong. That's the reality of it. It's not just placating words. It's not just a little platitude. It's a reality of the fact that actually he has empowered me. He has equipped me. He has given me everything I need. I do not need to fear because his provision is in me. Christ in us. Not Christ with us. Christ in us. He's flowing through me and he's moving and he's using us. It's so exciting. (laughs) So flippin' exciting. Take my insignificant, seemingly insignificant piece of bread, Jesus. If you desire, give it back to me, and I'll be obedient, and I will activate the miracle, and I will let you do the miracle. That's all he says, is we're activating the miracle. He's the one doing the miracle. It's our obedience that activates. (laughs) I love that later in this chapter, I I won't read the verses, but they're in the boat because they've just finished. They've sent away the 4,000. They're in the boat. They're traveling over. The Pharisees give them a hard time and they're like, and they turn back and they go somewhere else. (laughs) And so then they're in the boat And Jesus is talking about watching out for the yeast of the Pharisees. Now, Jesus is talking about the yeast of the Pharisees. And the 12 disciples are in the boat and they're going, Oh, we've only got one loaf of bread, guys. Oh, no. Oh, no. He thinks, oh, no. And they're just like on this total wrong tangent about why Jesus is talking about the yeast of the Pharisees. 
it's kind of hilarious. They started arguing about the fact they only had one loaf with them. It reminded me of a family car trip. <laughs> I thought you packed the water bottles. No, you said you were going to do it. But um, I thought we said the other day that I would organise this and you would organise that. No, that's not what I heard. <laughs> Isn't it one of those moments? It's pretty. You can imagine the 12 disciples going row, 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 round and round the boat while Jesus is sitting there going... And Jesus is like, seriously, guys, seriously, have you not, can you not see this? Can you not figure this out? I just fed 4,000 people with like seven loaves. Hello? He can't, he's literally, I can imagine Jesus just sitting there going, oh my gosh, seriously, seriously. Um, It's another family car trip moment. I just asked you if we needed to go to the toilet 10 minutes ago as we passed through Dannyburg. Did you not think that maybe then was a good time? It's kind of one of those moments when you're like, seriously? Seriously. (laughs) It's one of those times when Jesus is sitting there doing a face slap and um, the disciples are just like, oh, no. And they've been arguing and... There's just chaos going on, like it can on a family car trip. Not that I've ever had a family car trip like that. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Jesus said to them, your eyes aren't seeing, your ears aren't hearing. Have you forgotten already? Have you actually forgotten what literally just took place? It was probably only a matter of hours earlier that they'd seen the feeding of the 4,000. How quickly we forget. And they'd previously, not long before they'd seen the feeding of the 5,000. So they hadn't seen one significant feeding people miracle once. They'd seen one twice. And in seeing it twice, within a few hours after the second time, they were like, Ah, I thought you packed some more bread. Instead of going, wait up, who do we have with us? Who's literally in this boat with us right now? They were blind and deaf to what was actually going on. Not only about the Pharisees factor, but about the fact that they were worried about bread when Jesus was with them. How quickly we forget. So, Mark, do you mind helping me just lift this? So this morning we're sharing communion together. And communion is about remembering. So I wanted to put the challenge before us this morning that, hey, Let's this morning, as we have communion, let's remember together. And this is why you use an iPad or something. Because when you need a page to turn, it doesn't. This is old school technical difficulties. (laughs) Oh, dear. 
dear. But communion is about remembering. And Jesus is like, how quickly we forget. How quickly we forget. Seriously. Seriously, guys. Are you forgetting already? Am I missing something that's right in front of my face? Have I forgotten something that I have previously seen? Thanks, guys. Do I need to take a step of faith in something? Um, Recently, like something I've previously seen, for example, is God healed my tailbone. Like, full-on healed it. It was a miracle. And then I prayed for somebody else's tailbone, and their tailbone was healed. And then recently, I was talking with somebody, and they'd injured their tailbone. And I was like, hey, (laughs) this is an opportunity for me to activate the faith that I have and outwork the piece of bread that I have. I'm going to take what I have, and I'm going to activate in faith, that step of faith, and I'm going to let God do the miracle. That's the kind of thing that I'm talking about. What have we seen? What have we experienced? What have we forgotten? Is it that we're so focused on what we don't have that we're forgetting to look at what we do have? Is it that we're um, suffering with this part of sickness, and, and but we're forgetting that God is with us in the midst of that? I'm not saying that's not real. That's flipping real and it's incredibly hard. But what I'm saying is focus on the thing that we do have instead of focusing on the don't have. Because when we focus on the do have and when we're thankful for that, that's when a shift takes place. And he can activate actual miracles through our faith. What has he done before that I can believe for again? What can I have faith for? Am I actually hungry? That's a pretty big question. What am I hungry for? Am I willing to travel a long way and listen to Jesus? Figuratively speaking. Am I willing to let that take place? Am I that hungry that I'm willing to go without in order to see the miracle breakthrough? What seemingly impossible situation do I have that I have to work with? And I'm just like, okay, God, I thank you for what I have. Now you need to do the rest. Because we can activate in our steps of faith. What can we see? What is in our hands? What is in our hands? What do we have? What are we forgetting that we're actually holding? Are we forgetting that we're holding something or are we like walking? And Glenn was talking this morning about trust. If I trust God that what I have in my hands is enough, then I can move forward. I can do 
whatever he needs me to do because I am trusting him and I'm not moving from a mindset of fear. I'm moving from a place of understanding and love and trust because I trust him. I'm going to trust you for your provision, God. However that looks, sometimes that's where we trip up, is that what we're expecting is different. (laughs) He's going to use what we have if we give it to him and say, it's yours. Now, please, God, move through me. Let's not forget who we are and who we have access to. Amen. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you sent Jesus to show us so much. Not only to show us the reality of your love, but also to teach us things and open our eyes and help us remember. And Jesus, this morning we remember you. We remember your miracles. We remember that you are in us. And we choose to move with you and walk with you and flow with you. We choose to take what you have given us and to apply it in our everyday lives, however that looks. And we want to say thank you for what we have. Thank you for what we do have. And in a season where sometimes it feels like everything is like, (laughs) and we might feel like we don't have, we thank you for what we do have because you are Jehovah Jireh, our provider. You are the one who can take everything and make it whole. You are the one that strengthens us when we are weak. You are the one who gives us perfect love that can cast out all fear. You are the one who says it's not by might or by power, but by my strength. So I don't need you to strive. I just need you to rest in me and know that as you move forward with me, you are moving and I will move with you. Thank you, God, that we can trust you implicitly, incredibly, absolutely. Thank you, Jesus, that through your death and resurrection that we are freed and that we can know your presence with us. We can know the fullness of your love. And that we know we can trust you. Thank you, Lord. And as you take communion this morning, just say, Jesus, what do I have? And thank him for it. And then allow him to do the rest.